I'm Dr. Robert Schertzer, and we're talking about glaucoma with Gustavo de Mores, who completed a glaucoma clinical fellowship in San Paulo, Brazil, with Dr. Remo Susana, and is currently a research fellow at the New York Eye and Ear Infirmary with Bob Rich and Jeff Liebman. This is episode number two for the week ending March 20th, 2009. Visual field defects in both hemifields increases the risk of progression. This was a study that we designed trying to assess risk factors for glaucoma progression. As you know, it's a very interesting issue nowadays to assess which patients are at increased risk of reaching an endpoint of progression so you can optimize your treatment or select patients that require a more aggressive treatment. So one of the variables we analyzed in this cohort was uh, the presence of single hemifield, hemifield involvement versus damage crossing the horizontal midline causing damage to both hemifields. What and did you find? So um, we enrolled uh, a series of patients in a glaucoma referral practice between 1999-2008 and we analyzed the visual fields of all these patients in this period. And uh, different from other studies that assess uh, risk factors in glaucoma, we used a different type of progression analysis, which is called pointwise linear regression analysis, which uh, basically evaluates the rate of progression for each point in the visual field over time. Is that included in the normal software packages? Uh, no, so yes, this software we use is the only commercial available software to do pointwise linear regression analysis in visual fields. Uh, there are some other studies that assess like different ways to approach uh, in the same way, but not with a commercially available software. This one we use we use called Progressor. It was developed by the Moorfields Group, and there's, I would say like at least ten public, recent publications using it, so it has been validated. And so we use this software uh, and this method of evaluating visual food progression to see which variables were more associate with an outcome of progression in this population. And one interesting point is that we did not look at intercurrent factors for progression. That is, we just assessed baseline characteristics, which is more uh, looks more like what you see in clinical practice. The patient comes to you, and the only information you have is intraocular pressure, uh, baseline status of the first couple of visual fields, uh, central corneal thickness, gender, race, and you want to estimate. You, don't, you still don't know what's going to be the average pressure for that patient. You still don't know if the patient is going to develop a disc hemorrhage. So you have to use whatever you have to assess the risk. And using the visual field is a very interesting approach as we can, as there is suggestion that if you have a single hemifield involvement versus two hemifields affected, it might play different roles in the point of progression. So even though everyone talks about it in clinical practice, like, I was taught when I was a fellow that patients with both hemifields affected were more susceptible to progression, but no one ever proved it. So we designed this uh, different approach, uh, this different study to see if it was true. And we came to the conclusion that yes, patients with damage to both hemifields had an increased rate, rate uh, risk of progression by 62% compared with patients with a single hemifield involved. That's this, Huge difference. It's a big, big difference. And we also confirmed other already reported risk factors for progression, which were a higher baseline intraocular pressure 
and Athena cornea, which validates our data, showing exactly. that our population agrees very well with the major prospective randomized clinical trials have shown. And uh, the good point is, it's like I said in the beginning, it's a baseline assessment. You just take, do a couple of visual field tests to your patient, see if there's a repeatable visual field loss, <clears throat> and if damage is present to both hemifield, you should be worried about that and maybe be very more aggressive in treating that patient compared with another patient or fellow eye with a single hemifield involvement. That's great. So do people out there need the progressor software to, to make that determination? Okay, this uh, is an interesting point because our method got to that conclusion. I don't know if we use a type of event analysis like uh, the GPA or different other approach like the AGES criteria or the OATS criteria. I don't know if we've got to the same endpoint or the same conclusion. But if the rest of us out in practice, if we have a patient, we do a visual field, mm -hmm. I guess we don't really need the progressor software to, to exactly. see that we have exactly. defects in both hemifields. Yes, uh, the, the, the fact that we use this software was merely a way to show progression. But like I said, in practice, what we usually use is a set of baseline tests and we compare it with the last test and see if there was progression, yes or no. And we can still come to this conclusion. Our data suggests that it may be true also if you do this analysis. Uh, but that not, was not exactly the approach we did. But anyway, any clinician during a baseline assessment uh, can use like a baseline intraocular pressures, central current thickness, and the status of the visual field damage to assess the risk of progression. So it's something that's practical, uh, easily accessible, and you can change a lot for your patient if you just decrease two or three millimeters more of mercury uh, in an eye with both hemifields affected. Yeah, that's great. Another question that commonly comes up, and it's not something that you actually look directly at for the study, but you may have reviewed the literature for it, uh, is the relationship to how close a defect is to fixation. A lot of people think that, oh, if there's a defect near fixation, the it's more likely to get worse and they need to do something about that. Yes, um, specifically looking at the presence of damage in the central field and the risk of a fast rate of progression or reaching an outcome of progression, there is one study that used a similar approach as ours from the Moorfields group showing that um, it was not a significant factor associated with progression, the fact that you had involvement of the central field. However, this does not take into account the importance of having that baseline damage in the central field, especially because one single point in the uh, far central most points of the field does not exactly represent, represent uh, a little or a small amount of damage. If you look at the representation of that point in the visual cortex, it's going to be a much greater area. Uh, so That's right, and also the points you're checking are six degrees apart, so you could be getting between, just off of a exactly. So, in terms of reaching, remember that we're using uh, an endpoint of progression, yes or no, but we're not quantifying how meaningful that is for the patient. Losing one point in the central visual field might be clinically more important sometimes than have two points in the periphery progressing. Right. So, so, even, so basically, from the literature, it's not any more likely to progress, but it, because it's near fixation, any change there would probably be something that a patient is likely to notice. Yes. And it might alter your treatment. 
because of that. Yes, maybe one of the ways to look at progression would also be considering the importance of the central points for progression. You cannot put consider like uh, a progression that occur in the periphery as significant as someone who lost visual field or threshold sensitivities in the central field. So you, what you said could be suggest like to other people to maybe reconsider how we call progression. We already know that some classification systems for the visual field damage to the central field. Uh, if the patient presents damage to the central field, he is classified as a worse uh, functional damage, functional loss. And, uh, but we still don't have this uh, standardized to evaluate progression. Maybe this could be a, a new approach. Right. That's probably something for a future discussion on this podcast series. Yes. There are uh, new modalities of field testing that are being developed and coming near market, which actually emphasize the central points more than the peripheral ones. So that, that would be something yeah. to watch out for in the future. So I guess the take-home points from, from today are really defects in both hemifields uh, more likely to progress and we need to take that seriously when seeing our patients. Yes, the key message is patient just comes to you, he's a treated patient, a referred patient, or you just initiated treatment and he comes with damage extending to both hemifields, you may consider to be more aggressive in your treatment regimen to that eye. Great, thanks so much Gustav. Talking About Glaucoma is produced twice each month by Dr. Robert Schertzer, Director of the West Coast Glaucoma Center in Vancouver, British Columbia, and Clinical Associate Professor of Ophthalmology and Visual Sciences at the University of British Columbia. Please send your comments or suggestions to podcast at iguy.org. That's podcast at iguy.org. Also, check out our website at westcoastglaucoma.com.